2: Praise be to God. How was your weekend? What did you do? Did you do anything you know, interesting or fun? I'd love to know. I, however, did not do very much. Praise be to God. I relaxed. I napped. I read. And that was about it. Was about the, of course, I went to Holy Mass, of course. but uh, Oh, we started a novena to Our Lady of One Successo. You know, that's one of the more, that's one of the more detailed and intricate novenas that we pray as a family is probably that one. It's pretty involved, but uh, praise God that kicked off last night. But at any rate, we have a great program lined up for you this hour. We're going to be speaking with Michael Lofton. He is a graduate of Christendom College with a master's. He's working on his doctoral thesis right now with Pontifix University. However, we're going to have a conversation with him. Uh, about uh, obedience, obedience from a lay perspective. Now, we all have this vision in our mind about how priests are supposed to be obedient to bishops, bishops obedient to His Holiness uh, Pope Francis in Rome, or even religious, you know, poverty, chastity, obedience. We, we we know these things. But what about lay folk? What is it? Is it the same for lay people in obedience to one's bishop? You know, when, when His Holiness, for instance, or, or our bishops, when they say that uh, – We should take the vaccine out of, you know, a sense of charity. Do we have a holy obedience to them to do that? Um, I'm not trying to stir controversy. I'm just asking the question, what is the role of lay folk when it comes to obedience? Well, Michael Lofton has done some work on this area, uh, and he's going to be uh, on the show today to have that conversation. He's with ReasonAndTheology.com, so we'll look forward to that. Plus, of course, we're going to have breaking news and stories. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll have our What's Concerning Us section in this hour all that's coming up in this hour so i hope you'll join us for the full show plus next hour we'll have our our, uh, fun trivia game show that's coming up the next hour if at all you're able to join us but the team is here good morning to you emily Alcaraz.
3: good morning joe
2: anything interesting this weekend emily
3: um i not really i met with my exodus 90 group um that was fun went to mass that was fun
2: Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hear about the uh, the brand new uh, plague that's uh, encompassing the entire globe and it's infecting everyone? What's that? The sea shanties <laughs> that you know the sea shanty. My kids have been infected by the sea shanty that you introduced us to.
3: I'm so sorry. Uh, or
2: Adrian introduced us to on uh, on Friday. No, it was Emily. Was
3: uh,
2: one of one of both of you are probably totally responsible for my kids now singing it nonstop. One hundred percent, Emily. It's so fun though. It's yes. so fun. The Wellerman. I think it was called the Wellerman. Soon may the
3: Wellerman come. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Don't don't, don't,
2: don't. Let's not. He's stuck n- in my head. N- no. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good by the way. Good morning. Good morning. Huh. Uh, this this weekend
4: I uh, was actually live streaming a friend's wedding. So uh, happy uh, <laughs> wedding to Peter and Aaron. Eldwanger. Eldwanger, yes, <laughs> that's Wonderful. really cool. She's uh, she works at the JP2 Foundation, so Praise pretty cool. God.
2: Well, congratulations to them. All right, so we have a great program lined up for you this hour. Very excited. Let's begin with our prayer. Uh, so your intentions, my dear listener, whatever they may be, I'm going to include those with mine and ask Our Lady to whisper our intentions into the ear of her Son that we may draw ever so more closely into His most sacred heart. Uh, for I'm praying for the salvation of souls, for the conversion of sinners everywhere. I'm praying especially for the uh, the conversion of heart. Uh, of president joe biden a catholic uh, on the life issues on the on marriage issues and on the non-negotiable issues i'm praying for peace in our country peace in our families and uh, obviously i'm also praying for our team here as well in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee O virgin of virgins my mother To Thee do I come, before Thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in Thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
3: The U.S. bishops are urging President Biden to reject abortion rights after his, quote, deeply disturbing statement. The president's statement backing legal abortion on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade drew swift reaction from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, whose pro-life chairman said that no president of the United States should ever defend denying the right to life of unborn children. Archbishop Joseph Nauman, head of the U.S. Bishops' Committee on Pro-Life Activities, said, quote, It is deeply disturbing and tragic that any president would praise and commit to codifying a Supreme Court ruling that denies unborn children their most basic human and civil right, the right to life, under the euphemistic disguise of a health service. The president of the USCCB, Archbishop Jose Gomez, has reiterated that abortion is the preeminent issue and no Catholic should support it in any way. On Friday, eight pro-abortion protesters disrupted a pro-life mass at an Ohio cathedral. The protesters disrupted the Respect Life Mass at the St. Joseph's Cathedral in downtown Columbus, where Bishop Robert Brennan was presiding at an event marking the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. The protesters wore vests labeled Clinic Escort and held signs saying, Fund Abortion, Not Cops, and Abortion on Demand, End Hide Now. In a statement afterwards, Bishop Brennan said, quote, On this day, in remembrance of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, I ask all to continue to pray for the unborn who died, and for all those who have experienced the pain of abortion, and for those who cannot understand our divine and steadfast calling to champion this cause. As as cases of assisted suicide continue to increase annually in Ontario, pro-life advocates have called on the government to implement laws to help stem the tide of medically facilitated deaths. About 7,000 Ontario residents have ended their lives since the Supreme Court of Canada ruled euthanasia to be legal nationwide in 2016. Ontario residents alone have made up about half of the 14,000 assisted suicide patients across the country. The Canadian government removed a reasonably foreseeable death from the criteria necessary to qualify for legal assisted suicide. The Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops have repeatedly challenged the government to upgrade and promote palliative care options instead of assisted suicide laws. The Vatican is now gradually defunding some mission territories. Earlier this month, the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples sent a letter to the bishops of some 1,000 Catholic territories and announced the gradual reduction of the financial support they regularly receive from the Vatican. Archbishop Gian Gianpetro D'Altoso, adjunct secretary of the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples and president of the Pontifical Mission Societies, stressed that the letter is in no way intended to cut the support we're giving to the diocesan missions. It instead aims at a better distribution of the money following the criteria of stewardship. Reports show that there will be a significant cut in the Vatican financial support and the Holy See has requested local bishops from non-missionary territories to make up for the difference. I'm Emily Alcaraz and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Blessed Francesco Zarano, pray for us. He was born in 1564 in Sassari, Italy. He was a member of the Friars Minor Conventuals. He made his profession in 1580, ordained in 1586. But in 1599, he received authorization from Pope Clement VIII to collect funds to ransom Christians who were enslaved and held for ransom by Muslims in North Africa. On the 20th of August, 1602, he arrived in Algeria, where anti-Christian sentiment was building due to an impending war there uh, between muslim and christian uh, backed forces on january 1 1603 following a battle won by the king of cuco which was backed by the spanish government father francesco was dispatched to spanish court to take back the good news however he was betrayed to the local algerian soldiers who captured him and sent him to algeria in spain in chains rather On the morning of the uh, 25th of January, 1603, he received notice that he was condemned to death for being a Christian, but he could receive a pardon if he was willing to be converted to Islam, which he declined. He was, in fact, flayed alive on the 25th of January, 1603. He would be beatified by Pope Francis on 12 October 2014, Blessed Francesco Zerano, pray for us. The gospel comes to us today from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ in all things. Um, Powerful passage today. It's short, but it's... uh, it's pretty sweet. It's a hammer blow, right? I mean, think about the words of Jesus Christ to his apostles, to go to the four corners, right? To go to the whole world, to preach, to preach the gospel to every single creature. But look at this next line and meditate and ponder on this. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Notice he doesn't say whoever believes is saved, but whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Let that sink in for a moment. The intention of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for his apostles, the hierarchy of the church, is number one, to preach to the whole world without exception, without compromise, without apologies. Why? For the salvation of souls, for ultimate charity, for love and zeal for souls, to preach to them that they should be saved. That is priority number one. Priority number two is to baptize, is to administer the sacraments. These are the two priorities Jesus sets forth in this gospel. And for him, it is so powerful to preach this to his apostles. And we live in a day and an age where evangelization has become sort of a a, a word we can't really talk about for fear that we would be uh, proselytizing, right? But where's that zeal? Where's that love? Where's that drive? That uh, that wish to bring about the conversion of sinners and to have charity on them? And of course, we see the signs that accompany all of this. Uh, you know, the the new driving out demons and hearing, and speaking new languages and picking up serpents. All of which we see in the New Testament. Saint Paul's remember in the in the book, letter of Acts rather. He gets stuck on the island of Malta, and, and a and a serpent bites him, but it doesn't kill him. Of course, we all remember the stories it wasn't it saint benedict who who uh, blesses his food and and no, no poison God can kill him so we see these signs among the apostles and their uh their successors after them and and the evangelists who have down through the ages these are signs these are signs that jesus's word was not return void uh emily adrian what do you guys got
3: right and that's why jesus says that you will know them by their fruits um but here he says, if you're wondering what Jesus wants you to do with his life, you can read this passage. Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. This is what we should be doing. This is this is how we uh, uh, grow the kingdom of God. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So uh, if anyone out there believes that, hey, God is too nice. Hell, hell can't be real because God is nice. Well, here's Jesus saying whoever does not believe will be condemned. So hell is very real. But so... If you choose um, not to be in relationship with Christ, not to give your life to Christ, then you choose hell. But if you choose to be in relationship with Christ, look at the great wonders that will come. These signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons. They'll speak new languages. So there's so much in store for those who believe. Adrian, do you have anything to add?
4: Uh, yeah, so we have about 30 seconds before we go to break. <laughs> uh, but the uh, long story short, the I think it's important to recognize the fact that St. Basil talks about the fact that, why isn't that uh, not all Christians are able to do these things? And he says, well, for one, these thing, a lot of these signs were meant for the uh, the early church. Just like you plant a tree, you must water it consistently until it's grown. But once it's grown, you no longer need to water it. It's sufficient uh, that it could take care of itself. In the same way um, it is with the faith. And so, but also he says we still see the miracles of driving out demons and the healing of souls, which is even greater miracles. Um, which uh, we see that with uh, for one exorcist and for two uh, at, with the sacraments of confession, reconciliation, that kind of thing. Uh, so those are the points that uh, Saint Basil makes, and we're going to
2: break in about uh, a couple seconds. <laughs> we always we cut you off. You know that it's funny to to cut you off. We have so much to offer, but don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we're going to have the "What's Concerning Us" section. Uh, and don't forget, Michael Lofton is going to be on the program later in about 15 or 20 minutes to talk about obedience from a lay perspective. All that plus more Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back.
1: Does Jesus condemn praying the rosary in Matthew 6-7 when he says, as the King James renders it, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do? Protestants think so. What's the Catholic response? First, Jesus is not condemning repetitious prayer per se. If he were, well, then he would be condemning himself, since, according to Mark 14.39, he prayed multiple times, Father, remove this cup, not what I will, but what you will. But that's absurd. So what was Jesus condemning? He was condemning Gentile prayers, which were mindless repetitious prayers, as the Greek text suggests. The Gentiles recited prayers only to appease their gods. They were, as the RSV translates it, empty phrases, having nothing to do with expressing one's love for the gods. That's what Jesus is condemning, not the repetitious prayer of the rosary. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com.
5: Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is so good to be on with you today. Welcome to the What's Concerning Us section. I've got a few stories here. Of course, there's more more China stories in the news. It's going to be very interesting. Under the uh, Biden-Harris administration, China did not waste much time in trying to uh, test, test the resolve of President Joe Biden to see what he would and would not do. Uh, Taiwan is reporting the second day of... Uh, of incursions by the chinese warplanes in their airspace really testing their their borders there which is not uncommon that did happen under trump as well the difference being that trump actually uh, spoke out against this he actually negotiated uh, defense deals with japan and taiwan and and other members in the area as a result of this and put sanctions on china so they're waiting to see what uh, joe president joe biden will do but one of the other concerning stories over the weekend was that uh, China passed a law giving their Coast Guard permission to fire on any foreign vessel for any reason they deemed necessary. Already, uh, there were many incidents of the Chinese Coast Guard sinking foreign fishing vessels, uh, so they could fire on the U.S. Navy, for instance, or even worse, they could fire on uh, Taiwan and and Japan and other allies. So we'll have to see how that goes. We'll post links to these stories. But I think some of the bigger news was the pro-life news, of course, uh, we were marking uh, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade last week. We had Teresa Kamara on uh, at the end of last week to discuss uh, sort of the pro-life news of the week. And on the actual anniversary of Roe v. Wade, this is a, an article out of the National Catholic Register. It says, Biden-Harris state their support for abortion on Roe v. Wade. You know, uh, President Joe Biden, uh, a Catholic, as we've said, as you well know, um, we we read the the letter from Archbishop Jose Gomez calling him out on these major issues, these life issues, these uh, uh, non-negotiable issues. And the reason why we call them non-negotiable is because always and everywhere they are intrinsically evil. There's never a good reason to do them. Uh, there's never a justifiable reason for them. That's why they, they're uh, labeled non-negotiable. And so this article uh, points out that uh, And I'll just read a little bit to you. I won't read the whole thing. I'll link to it instead. It says, this is, again, the National Catholic Register. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris stated their commitment to abortion on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. In a statement marking the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the January 22, 1973 Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion throughout the U.S., the new president and vice president said they were committed to codifying Roe in law and to appointing pro-abortion federal judges. The Biden-Harris administration is committed to codifying Roe v. Wade and appointing judges that respect foundational precedents like Roe, their statement read. In the past four years, reproductive health, including the right to choose, has been under relentless and extreme attack, Biden and Harris said. Biden, who was Catholic, promised on the campaign trail that he would codify the nineteen seventy three ruling if elected as president now again, on the very day of Roe v. Wade, they are signaling that they support uh abortion and the right to quote unquote choice and uh and this is very disturbing for Catholics that that you would see a the second Catholic president in the history of the country. Supporting such a grave evil. So very concerning. And then, of course, we saw that plus this story out of Ohio uh, Catholic News news Agency reporting here. And I know, Adrian, uh, this was a hot button issue for you as well, for all of us, really. But it says pro-abortion protesters disrupt pro-life mass at Ohio Cathedral. Uh, it says uh, about eight pro-abortion protesters disrupted the Respect Life Mass at St. Joseph's Cathedral in downtown Columbus on Friday where Bishop Robert Brennan was presiding at an event marking the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. It says quote 2468 this church teaches hate the protesters shouted saying that abortion rights were under attack. Um you know what's interesting or what's fascinating to me in on some level about this story is how these protesters and m- many others uh they feel like the church is somehow public property and they have every right to to just bust on in and do and say as they wish <laughs> um you guys watched the video what did
4: you think this absolutely infuriated me i saw this on the weekend on saturday whenever the whenever it happened and um it just it boiled my blood because not just the fact that they would do this, but the fact that nobody stood up and did anything. That's what really made me angry. Because, yeah, of course, uh, evil people are going to do evil things. Yeah, of course, uh, the these anti-life uh, people will come in and uh, start blaspheming and, and perform sacrilege and desecration of a church. Of course they're going to do that. We expect that from them. But why did none of the men there stand up? Why did none of them they, – They stood. they sat there thinking, like, what's going on? Uh, we need to start thinking about this. This is going to start happening in Catholic churches all across America. We need to be ready for that. We need to start thinking to ourselves, what, are, what is our plan? If someone starts coming in protesting, am I going to stand up and do something? We need to start mentally preparing for these situations to happen, and so that way we're not just sitting there and just like uh, just completely st- uh, starched, uh, dumpstruck, not being able to uh, figure out what to do next. We have to start preparing in our minds and discuss with our other parishioners if they do this to to our church, what do we do? Mm. Are we going to react or are we just going to roll over and wait for the security to come in and uh, start dragging them out? One person trying to drag out seven people. What are we going to do?
3: Right. Because the church is a holy place. It's a sanctuary, a temple. That's where we keep the word made flesh in the tabernacle. And there was a point in history where the churches would be, um, you know, sanctuary places where you people would hide there and take refuge there. Um, that is a safe place, and we cannot allow these people to go in and desecrate that holy place. If you really believe that the the Word made flesh, God, in in the Eucharist is present there, then you should be protecting him and defending him.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And the other, and the other thing we need to make sure that uh, we point out is a lot of people are like, oh, look, 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 this is an example of a hate crime, a hate crime, and I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, it's out of hatred for the faith. Absolutely. But not just that. It's a sacrilege. It's a desecration and it's a blasphemy. All three of those things. And we need to start using that language. It's not simply a hate crime because, yeah, I mean, hate crime. Okay, cool. You're, you're doing something hateful. Yeah, that's bad. But this is so much worse because this is blasphemy against our Lord. This is blasphemy and sacrilege and desecration against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who deserves nothing but respect, nothing mm. but honor. And so this is a, a
2: um, the, one of the worst crimes that you could actually commit. I remember a few years ago um, at our parish that we were attending at the time downtown there, I, we showed up on a Sunday and uh, the mass before was getting out and we were, you know, making our way in as we typically do. But by the time I got into the church, um, a group had busted in the church with bullhorns and this was an anti-Catholic Protestant uh, group and they were shouting in the church with their bullhorns and chanting with their bullhorns. It, and by the time I got there, they had already been expelled from the church because laymen decided they weren't going to stand around and let that happen. And they grabbed them by the collars and they tossed them onto the road. <laughs> and so by the time I got there, we noticed there was like a huff of us, but they were, they were already out of the church. And so we went to Mass and we were told at Mass that this group had done this and that they had uh, committed this, or, and, and, but they were still, this group was still outside. They were uh, now at this point across the street and they were on their bullhorns shouting us down and uh, you know, hurling uh, all kinds of accusations against Catholics, whatnot. And we were told not to engage them. We were told to ignore them or whatever. So after Mass gets out, I and my family make our way to our, to our van. But the whole time, my heart is just burning with you can't just let them get away with this. And I struggled so deeply with this, uh, this notion that no one is responding to them. And I finally, I just I, I snapped and I lost control of my temper. And I, I went all the way back from the parking lot to the street and I began to shout at the guy with the bullhorn. And I was at the top of my lungs. And I had served in the Marine Corps, so I can be pretty loud. And uh it's so it's hard to compete with me sometimes. Ask my uh fifteen year old daughter, she'll tell you. But uh I remember just just think thinking that someone needed to stand up to this guy, that it was unacceptable to let this guy with his bullhorn have the final word. And so they I you know, the our parishioner and fellow uh he was a police officer and a parishioner, he was trying to control the situation. He he had really asked me to stop and cease and desist. And I ended up calling on my pastor and, and asking him to forgive me because he asked me not to do it, and I did it anyway. Uh, but I really felt like it was necessary for us to stand up to this stuff. And I think in this example in Ohio, uh, I think you make a good point there, Adrian. What are lay folk going to do in these circumstances? Because I think they're going to happen more and more. I mean, we saw that video out of Spain. What was that? two years ago, three years ago, of those men locking arms surrounding the cathedral against the feminists that were that were hurling uh, biological fluids on them, mm-hmm. for crying out loud? I mean, it was pretty disgusting. But the men locked arms, they prayed, they, they sang hymns, and they stood their ground to protect the cathedral. And I think we are going to have those opportunities more and more, and we have to ask ourselves now... Uh, How are we going to respond to these? I'm not asking for violence. I'm not asking for for ugliness and meanness in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, we have to be committed to defending our faith and defending our churches necessarily necessarily. If 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 it comes to that, and we have to ask ourselves, what's what are we going to do about that?
4: Right, and I think it's another important thing is to look at the Maccabees. The Maccabees did the exact this exact thing. They stood in the temple of our Lord, this temple of God, and they stood there and they defended the temple. They hold themselves up and they fought against the enemies of uh, of God to defend them, to defend God, to defend His honor, to defend His glory. Um, and we have to do the same thing. We have to stand in the in the temple of God. We have to stand in the church of God, and we have to defend the church. We cannot allow people to to do things to our Lord, to allow them to desecrate our churches, to desecrate our
2: Lord. This is this is the of the utmost yeah. importance. So we must discuss this. We have to be prepared. I I remember Saint Jose Sanchez del Rio, uh, who when he was being held captive in the sanctuary, or rather in the sacristy of the church, before they were going to martyr him. Um, they had fighting fighting chickens inside the sanctuary, and it infuriated him. They, they, it bad enough they turned the church into a barn in a, in a, uh, in a barracks for, for troops that he feigned needing to go to the restroom. When they let him out, he killed the chickens because <laughs> he couldn't stand seeing them uh, being let loose inside the church, inside the sanctuary. So, uh, you know, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, a teenager, had more courage than most of us. Let's pray for his intercession for us. But... Uh, uh, we're going to go to a break here in just a moment, and I want to remind you that coming up in probably five minutes, six minutes or so from now, we'll be having a conversation with Michael Loftin, uh from Reason and Theology. We're going to have a conversation about obedience. What does it mean to be obedient to, to your bishop? What does it mean to be obedient to the Pope? Where is the line as a layperson? We have the notion in our minds about what it means as religious or for priests and for bishops, what they're required to do for obedience, but what about lay folk? Where is the line where you can still be a Catholic in good standing and say, I don't have to agree to that, or I don't have to obey that? That's the question because it's coming up more and more. For instance, uh, Pope Francis said, we, are, "We should all get get the vaccine, no matter what. Is that true? Do I have an, an obedience to the to the whole his holiness Pope Francis uh, to to get the vaccine when I feel like it's too dangerous to do so for my wife and for my children and for myself? I mean, we're seeing news reports out that more and more people are dying uh, in uh, as as. Uh, is an effect of the vaccine and so many different uh, reactions to it so is there an obedience issue here this and other examples we can bring up but to have that conversation michael often joins the show uh, we're excited about that plus news and breaking stories with emily Alvarez, and so much more Catholic of drive time is on the way don't go anywhere we'll be back we're excited we're glad you're part of it like like subscribe and share we'll be right back
6: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, You might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the encyclopedia, is meant for everybody, and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www dot
5: we all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction but with the help of God and a church family your children can grow in the security of faith hope and love weekly mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life so if your family hasn't been to mass in a while we'd like to invite you home Discover more at catholicscomehome.org.
3: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines. The White House announced on Friday that our Catholic president will codify Roe v. Wade, which would allow for legal abortions even in the event that the Supreme Court overturns the 1973 ruling. In their statement, the Biden-Harris administration said they are deeply committed to providing everyone with, quote, reproductive health care. Vice President Kamala Harris had in the past outlined a plan that would require states and local governments that have a history of restricting abortions to obtain federal approval before new anti-abortion measures could take effect. The U.S. bishops called this statement deeply disturbing. The United Nations has adopted a Resolution on Protecting Religious Sites. Titled, Promoting a Culture of Peace and Tolerance to Safeguard Religious Sites, the resolution asks Secretary General Antonio Guterres to launch an international conference to discuss the best means of implementing the United Nations Plan of Action to Safeguard Religious Sites. The resolution highlights the increasing threats to culturally and spiritually significant sites by terrorists and militias, who have at times destroyed religious property and illicitly-trafficked artifacts. The resolution challenges the United Nations to develop strategies, educational initiatives and global communication campaigns and tools that foster greater multicultural respect and media awareness. Pope Francis has been forced to miss more events due to his recurrent nerve pain. The Holy See Press Office announced on January 23rd that because of sciatica, the 84-year-old Pope would be unable to celebrate Mass marking the Sunday of the Word of God in St. Peter's Basilica. But our Holy Father will still lead the Angelus Prayer at noon on Sundays and in the, library, in the library of the Apostolic Palace, where the event has taken place since a resurgence of the coronavirus pandemic in Italy. The Holy Father has said, quote, Sciatica is very, very painful. I don't wish it on anyone. Portugal's Catholic bishops have suspended public masses amid rising COVID-19 cases. The bishops said that public masses would be suspended starting on January 23rd, the day before the country's presidential election, along with catechesis and other pastoral activities that required people to gather. They called on priests to offer live-streamed masses. The bishops had called for the suspension of postponement or postponement of baptisms, confirmations, and marriages earlier this month, The bishops said in a statement that they consider it a moral imperative for all citizens, and particularly for Christians, to have the maximum sanitary precautions to avoid contagion. This is the second time that the bishops have suspended public worship in Portugal. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headline news for us, keeping us informed. Uh, I want to mention before we jump into our conversation uh, that we're live streaming on Facebook to a, several platforms to include the Station of the Cross. We're very uh, grateful that they're a part of the Catholic Drive Time family, so thank you. Uh, if you're in Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, and beyond, I think can, someone mentioned Connecticut as well. Thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time show. Uh, you can find us there. I think, Adrienne, your you're post The links to the uh, articles there as well?
4: Yes, I am uh, taking the links that you post on the GRN online uh, Facebook uh,
2: live stream and posting those onto the Station of the Cross. So I'm also posting on Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, but we're also streaming on YouTube and Twitter in addition to that plus we're posting individual conversations as highlight reels over on Rumble so check us out on Rumble go to Rumble look for Catholic Drive Time subscribe and I was gonna say like but I think they call it Rumble there so you can you can rumble on Rumble at any rate joining us right now via uh, Zoom chat is Michael Lofton he is a graduate of Christendom College uh, he has a master's degree in theological studies he is also under undergoing a uh, trying to find get his doctorate from the Pontifex University on the Magisterium of the Catholic Church, which is why we invited him on the program. We're going to have a conversation about obedience from a lay perspective. Good morning to you, Michael Lofton. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise God, I'm alive. I'm alive. Ah, (laughs)
7: Thank you for having me on, by the way.
2: I meant to uh, mention reasonandtheology.com is the website uh, that you should check out. We'll post a link to that as well. Uh, Christendom College, uh, what a great school. Uh, You know, one of my favorite uh, church historians founded that school, Warren Carroll. In fact, uh, you know, this weekend I had the great privilege of doing next to nothing. And uh, so I was able to—my wife purchased the fourth volume of his, uh, his history on Christendom, and so I cracked it open, and I was uh, able to, uh, to start down uh, that road, which I absolutely love reading Warren Carroll. His wife is also a very good author on church history. God rest his soul. But uh, so c- congratulations from coming from such good pedigree there, Michael.
7: Thank you, and in fact, that was one of the reasons why I chose Christendom is because of that church history said I was really impressed by its founder So,
2: yeah, amen to that. all right, so uh, we want to have a conversation about a holy obedience, and uh, you know we, I, we all have this notion most of us anyway lay faithful, we have some idea of what it means to obedi- to be obedient we, we know that religious take uh, vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Our parish priests are, are to be obedient to their bishops, their bishops. Are supposed to be obedient to His Holiness uh, Pope Francis in Rome. Um, but what does it mean for a lay person to be obedient? I think in the last couple of years, we've seen uh, numerous examples of a lay folk pushing the line of mm. obedience. Um, But for instance, the the example I used earlier was over the vaccines. His His Holiness, uh, even the USCCB, many of our bishops and certainly many of our priests have said, if you don't get the vaccine, you're not being charitable. And there's a lot of pressure to do that. And yet we're seeing issues with the vaccine that would cause us to have uh, to caution and some prudence as to uh, wait and see. But uh, am I being disobedient by not? Uh, for just as this is use this as an example, am I not being obedient if I don't go get that vaccine, if I don't uh, make sure that my wife and children go with that vaccine? Where is the line, Michael Often.
7: Yeah, not not necessarily disobedience in those instances. It, it kind of depends. I mean, first of all, I do want to say obedience is our ordinary default, right? I mean, you have Hebrews thirteen that talks about obeying your prelates and be subject to them. You have Ignatius of Antioch, one of the uh, early church fathers, early second century, notes that we to, are to look to the bishop as we would even look to Christ Himself, and so there's very much a uh, obligation to obey our bishops. But at the same time, there are some instances in which we're not necessarily. O- obligated to obey. Number one, if the uh, prelate, for example, commands us to do something that is contrary to a higher law or a higher obligation. For example, if they ask us to do something that is immoral that God tells us we are not uh, to do. Of course, the uh, book of Acts talks about we are to obey God rather than man in such cases. So there are some instances in which we are to give our uh, uh, assent, if you will, to a higher obligation. obligation. Or if the prelate is asking us, and this is something that Thomas Aquinas notes, he's asking us to do something that he has no right to ask us uh, for obedience on. So um, there are some instances in which we could uh, say that we are not necessarily bound to obey our bishop, but ordinarily, the ordinary disposition is to give obedience to our prelates.
2: You know, I was looking, as I said earlier, reading the fourth volume of Warren Carroll's history on Christendom, and it starts with Martin Luther, and mm. how Martin Luther disobeyed uh, n- many people in the chain of command, um, to include His Holiness uh, at the time, uh, Leo X. And yet, he was celebrated widely in many circles throughout Germany, and of course, he was used as a springboard for the Protestant Revolution. Um It seems like there's a lot of picking and choosing that goes on when it comes to obedience. Mm. How are we as lay folk supposed to discern that? Michael Lofton.
7: Yeah, you know, in those cases, for example, I'm glad you you bring up the instance of Martin Luther, you know, when you have uh Pope Leo the there who teaches certain things, you know, in his teaching authority what we call the magisterium in his in his magisterium, whenever he teaches something on faith and morals, there is ordinarily supposed to be an um an assent that is supposed to be given of the intellect and the will, at the very least, just kind of depending on what degree of authority the Pope is teaching something. So whenever Luther would disregard these teachings, he's going against a teaching authority that has been given to that Pope by Christ. So it would be as if he is disobeying Christ himself. Um, That being said, there are some instances in which we can withhold assent of intellect and will to a teaching that a Pope may make when he actually uses is teaching authority, his authority, his magisterium, if it is contrary to something that is taught with a higher level um, of authority. In those instances, we're to obey the ones with a higher weight. But if the pope teaches something uh in, for example, an encyclical or something in his official capacity as a pope ordinarily we are to give an assent. But if he were to just say something in an interview, that does not carry any kind of teaching authority. So it really just kind of depends on what instance we're talking about but yeah in the case of uh martin luther it's clear that he's being number one disobedient to his prelates in cases where he is to be subject to them and then is also withholding assent in cases where he is supposed to be uh assenting to their teachings on faith and morals
3: do you know has that ever happened before has the pope said something that uh was wrong outside of a you know infallibility
2: 45 seconds to break yes
7: Yes, absolutely. It has happened before. Pope John uh, the twenty second, for example, taught some errors on the uh, saints and whether or not they see the beatific vision immediately when they die. So in those cases, we're to give assent to uh, those the constant teaching of the church as opposed to something the Pope is saying here.
2: We're talking with Michael Lofton with reason and theology dot I think it's is it .org? dot org? Reason forgive me ReasonAndTheology.com. com. Yes, uh, you should check out that podcast. But don't go anywhere because we're gonna continue this conversation on the other side of this break with uh, Michael Lofton on obedience. Where's the line for the lay faithful? How do we discern uh, how do we discern these tricky and turbulent waters that are coming up more and more in our daily lives? All that Plus more Catholic drive times coming up on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere. Keeping you informed and inspired. We'll be right back. This is a messy
7: family minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. The deepest desire for many of us as parents is to
1: pass on the faith to our children, and to do that, parents need to be very intentional. First, we need to look at ourselves and live our faith authentically because more is caught than taught. Most kids, especially teens, sense hypocrisy quickly. So we need to live a life of humility by asking for forgiveness, acting with charity, and loving generously.
5: Next, create a unified Catholic culture in your family. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. So we cannot be afraid to be countercultural. And last, don't protect children from every failure because suffering brings maturity. We need to remember that Christ promised us the cross, but he also promised to be with us every step of the way. When we teach this to our children, we are guiding them into mature faith in Christ, who will satisfy all the longing of their hearts.
1: For more information and resources, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org.
5: Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or, if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be
2: to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. We're talking with Michael Lofton from ReasonAndTheology.com. Great podcast. You should check him out on YouTube as well. We'll we'll link to them. ReasonAndTheology.com. We're having a conversation about obedience from a lay perspective. Um, Michael, one of the things that I feel like is truly a part of the scandal of our time, right? So we've seen lots of scandals, financial ones, sexual ones. Uh, corruption. I mean, there's been lots of scandals for us to complain about. But I also think, in terms of our average listener, the lay folk who are trying to pay the mortgage, uh, you know, keep their uh, keep their families Catholic, get to school and back, ballet practice amidst a, uh, amidst the craziest election of our country's history, uh, amidst uh, in the midst of a of a pandemic and all the rest. And yet they still have to know the the uh, the catechism of the Council of Trent in order to know whether or not they're being lied to or manipulated by the hierarchy. Like, that's a scandal. Like, they shouldn't have to know that, right? They shouldn't have to be l- counting the number of angels on the head of a pin. It's a little crazy. Um, I, so uh, I, I go back to my question, and I know Emily brought up the papal infallibility and trying to define that for, for lay folk. But like, how are we supposed to know? And a lot of these questions, Amoris LaTitzi, it's a contested encyclical by His Holiness. Um, How are we as lay folks supposed to sort this stuff out and know where our role is?
7: Yeah, that's such a good question. Very difficult one, too, because you you rightly note we're in a very— chaotic time right now in church history so the burden really is on us as the lay faithful to discern some of these things ordinarily we should be able to simply uh be able to trust our prelates and in many cases we can but unfortunately in some cases um there is a level of discernment that we have to employ and so uh the first rule of faith i would say go to scripture right you need to go to scripture. You can also read the constant teaching of the church and uh, the traditions that we can find in, for example, church fathers and catechisms. But you're right. That's hard because that puts a burden on us. We're trying to go about our daily lives and live a, you know, a practical life. And here we are having to search these things out in scripture and tradition when we should be able to you know, ordinarily just be able to trust our prelates on this issue.
2: Let's talk about let's go back to the papal infallibility issue. Uh, define that. What is yeah. papal infallibility? and papal infallibility?
7: Right. And a lot of people have a misimpression here. They think that mm-hmm. if the Pope teaches on a matter of faith and morals, it's automatically definitive, automatically infallible. And that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, the First Vatican Council gives us some indicators to determine when that's going to be. But he has to, of course, be speaking as the Pope to the entire church. You know, it's not just something in an interview he has to be speaking as the bishop of Rome, the successor of the Apostle Peter, on a matter of faith and morals, and he has to bind. It has to be something that he teaches, um, uh, something to be held definitively, you know. So there are some clear indicators that have to be given. Um, So I, I would say it is exceptional for the Pope to teach infallibly. Ordinarily, he teaches with what we call his ordinary magisterium and it might carry a certain degree of assent unless it's contrary to something else that's taught with a higher assent right but um ordinarily it carries a certain degree of assent and obligation on our part but that does not make it infallible in and of itself ordinarily he's not teaching infallibly
3: now i want to reiterate this so the truth is that papal infallibility does not mean everything that comes out of the holy fathers uh, mouth is factual church doctrine. It and now I I just looked this up. It looks like the actual papal infallibility ex cathedra has only been used twice in church history.
7: A few theologians have limited it to two instances, but if you look at the uh, some of the documents that were used there at the First Vatican Council and the way that the church fathers understood or the council fathers understood uh, that definition on papal infallibility, they thought that there were many instances in which the Pope um, had exercised that authority. So I would argue for more cases than just two, but I would still say that they're exceptional. It's not the case that everything he says is always infallible. In fact, the vast majority of things he says is not infallible. And some things that he says, for example, in a papal uh, interview or a flight interview or something like that carries no obligation on our part.
2: Okay, so if there if that's true and papal infallibility is very rare, um, is there any instance in in, uh, Pope Francis's pontificate so far where you said you can say that he did use it? He has never used that, no. So if that's the case, then how much should we be paying attention to here as lay folk? Mm -hmm. Um, There is a lot of debate and and division among Catholics, especially in regards to the example I used earlier about a Morris Letitia, or anything he says about the environment, or uh, a recent more recently his statements on on the vaccine and how everybody 's supposed to have it, no matter what, and yet we 're seeing a lot of issues in regards to vaccines that might uh, cause a, a prudential pause and wait and see to see how things go with that um, what say you Michael often
7: well, you know the the example that you gave there about the vaccines, if I recall correctly, he said that in an interview carries absolutely no obligation on my part. I'm not to, I'm not necessarily to obey that or even to believe that he is right on this issue of morals and ethics. So, Um, that would carry no obligation. But if he taught something in a papal homily or an encyclical or something like that, okay, it it might be an example where he's exercising his teaching authority, but after then compare that to other things that have been taught, perhaps with a greater force by previous popes. And yeah, that's a difficult thing because I shouldn't really have to do that. I should be able to just listen to what the Bishop of Rome says and trust that he is in accord with what uh, has previously been taught. But unfortunately, we're in uh, a place right now in church history where that's not always the case. So um, it it puts some work on our part.
4: Uh, Yes, Michael. So I, I just wanted to uh, say the so for uh, for the listeners out, I highly recommend going and checking out reason and theology i really i 've personally been uh, really enjoying the his uh, YouTube channel there, and uh, I highly recommend it because what we 're talking about now we are only able to very scratch the surface of it and uh, Michael has tons of videos on the Magisterium of the church, and a very simple one was an interview he did with um, this Protestant fellow, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he uh, just did an interview with them talking about the magisterium, and it's really awesome breakdown about an hour long breakdown of that topic. But I do want to go and say we, me and uh, Joe, talk off camera, off air, uh, sometimes about. The fact that, you know, this is, it's a difficult time where we have to discern, like, well, who's, who gets to say which point is wrong? Like, now it's just a couple lay people debating over which, which, uh, doctrines, which things are we have to be obedient to, which ones don't we have to be obedient to. And it's, it seems very difficult for us to try to actually discern Uh, What is going on here? Mm. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out between me and Joe, because we're always uh, debating on these things off air. um, How do we figure out what we is it? What is considered the unanimous uh, decision of the uh, of the father is what what is considered? How do we figure this stuff out?
7: Yeah. And and of course, of course, your first go to is going to be your conscience. Right. But you have to make sure that your conscience is well formed by scripture and tradition and, and things like that. So, um First, you want to obey your conscience, but in the meantime, while you're trying to properly form your conscience, you, you ask a good question. How do you recognize something that has been constantly taught? Well, I mean, some of the indicators that the Popes have given us is just that. It has to be a constant teaching of the Pope, and it has to be something that they believed was obligatory on our part, that they taught that we we must obey and believe this. If those indicators aren't there, it's not necessarily uh, the constant teaching of the church. But that requires a, a lot of uh, work on our part. So sometimes we we go to some of the theologians who've done some of the work and, and we consult them. But uh, ultimately, that that's that can be a long process. So in the meantime, you you first go to your conscience.
4: Right. And so what I'm thinking is also like, for instance, uh, I was talking to my mother the other day, and we we're just talking about this. And my mom was just like, you know, I, I, just don't, I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, there's so much information out there. I don't know who to trust. Uh, this guy claims to be a theologian and says he's really smart. He says this, this theologian says the other thing. And I just, I, all I know is that whenever I do X, I come closer to God whenever I do. Why? It feels like I'm not. And it
2: seems like this is the one that's right um, in this situation. Well, hold on. I, Let me jump in here because you just remind, you reminded me of a question I think comes up uh, frequently in this conversation. Should the average lay folk concern themselves with personal holiness and piety and ignore all the rest? Michael Lofton.
7: Well, I mean, that, that's going to be the first thing that you're going to be concerned about, personal holiness and piety. But at the same time, you do want to make sure that you're well formed in what you believe. And so it is going to require some work on your part. But look, if you're doing your best to follow God with what you currently know, he's not going to condemn you, right? Um, as long as you're giving an honest effort here with the schedule that you have, as long as, you know, you're being reasonable with it, God is not going to condemn you if you're doing the best that you can. And he doesn't expect you to become a professional theologian or something like that. I mean, the vast majority of people God is going to uh, be merciful to, and especially if they're following their conscience on these matters.
2: We're talking with Michael Lofton from ReasonAndTheology.com, a great podcast and resource. Uh, again, you should check it out, ReasonAndTheology.com. About two minutes left in our conversation. Um, uh, final thoughts, Michael What? what is your best advice for, for the average layperson in trying to sort facts from fiction in a very confusing and manipulated media world? Uh, first of all,
7: go back to Scripture. I think that you need to have a good formation in Scripture. Read the Scripture daily, pray daily, of course. Um, You do want to try to make yourself informed of what the church is teaching, but again, compare it to other things that the church has said previously as well. I think that's helpful. One perfect place to go to, quick cheat sheet, I believe is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. For the most part, it is
2: very uh, solid. All right. You sound like you're from Louisiana there, Michael. Yeah. Which means the, the best <laughs> advice after that would be to stop at the best stop and get the boudin balls with the uh, jalapeno and cheese. <laughs> that stuff is worth every penny. Have it shipped to you. Trust me. It's good stuff. <laughs> Michael Lofton, God bless you. God love you. Thank, Thank you for you. being on Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for having me on. All right. com is the website. Check that out. We'll have them back. I think it was a fun conversation. Uh, don't go anywhere. If you're able to join us in the next hour, we're streaming live on facebook.com forward slash the Station of the Cross, as well as Catholic Drive Time, and on YouTube, and on Twitter. We have our breaking news and stories. We have our Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our trivia game show with prizes involved. And you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. It's super fun. And we'll be looking for a contestant. We'll tell you how to do that at the beginning of the next hour. So if you can join us, we'd love to have you. Otherwise, we have a whole show. uh, We have a great lineup of guests this whole week. So tune in tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for Catholic Drive Time. God bless you.
0: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
3: and inspired.
5: A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that
8: true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside... In order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of
0: truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
4: Pig story.
7: Three little pigs were listening to Catholic radio on the GRN and heard that the GRN was raffling off a 2021 Mercedes Benz GLA 250. So they went to grnonline.com, bought five tickets for $100, and waited for their name to be drawn at the end. So, who's your favorite GRN station manager? I
6: like them all, but especially Joe McClain. Confessions at five.
2: How was your weekend? Was it good? Did you do anything interesting or fun? I'd love to know. If you're hanging out with us on the live video feed, why don't you chat? Why don't you comment there and tell us uh, who you are, where you're from, and uh, what'd you do this weekend? Was it anything interesting? I I got to do almost nothing. I mean, I did a little something, but not much. I did uh, start reading the fourth volume of Warren Carroll's History of Christendom, which is my favorite history Of the Catholic Church, ever. It's so incredible. And uh, so chapter one of the fourth volume is on Martin Luther. Great story. You should check that out if you can. But uh, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise God, I'm alive. And uh, and you, how did you go? How did you do this weekend?
3: I also uh, rested, but I also got to catch up with a lot of friends, which was very nice.
2: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Uh, I enjoyed napping. It's just so, re- I love a good nap. Isn't it great? Speaking of naps, uh, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos. Oh,
4: yeah, I did not get a nap Speaking this weekend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I went to, uh,
4: I, but God, God bless, uh, I was uh, asked by a friend to live stream their, uh, their wedding, Aaron and Peter Elwanger. And <gasps> so they were married this Saturday, which means I
2: had to get up early again. Wow. But, you know, it's okay. God bless. <laughs> well, praise God for that. Uh, we had a great conversation with Michael Lofton a minute ago. Um, great conversation. Wow, he was really super good. sharp.
3: Everyone needs to hear it. It
2: helped that he went to Christendom, I think, for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but no, he was a great conversation. We really enjoyed it. We talked about the uh where is the line for the lay folk in the issue of obedience to one's bishop or even his holiness? Uh it's sort of a, a nuanced conversation that I think most people haven't thought of, but I think it's an important one, and we'll post the highlight reel of that over on Rumble, Adrian.
4: Absolutely. we will be on Rumble. I'll post it on YouTube. It'll be on Instagram, and it'll be on Facebook.
2: So look for that. Follow us everywhere if you can, Catholic Drive Time. By the way, uh, the Guadalupe Radio Network is trying to give somebody a Mercedes in March, uh, first week in March. So if you would like to drive a brand-new Mercedes, uh, tickets are only $25 piece, or a book of five for $100. Fantastic way to support this media postulate, and you may win a very cool car as well. So all you got to do is go to grinonline.com, and you can scroll down to the What's Happening Here Around Here section. You'll find a picture of the Mercedes. Click on that. All the rules are right there, plus you can purchase tickets. It's a wonderful thing to do check that out. In this hour, we're going to have breaking news and stories with Emily here in one moment, but of course we have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and our Catholic Trivia Game Show is coming up. We'll need a new contestant, new opportunity because new prizes are on the hook this week. Emily, who is our sponsor this week?
3: So this week our sponsor is called Aroma Rosary, and they make beautiful rosaries and jewelry that you can wear that uh, you can put essential oils into so you can carry that scent with you throughout the day. It's super cool.
2: Wow. My wife, hopefully she's listening. She's big into essential oils. So check that out. Aroma Rosary is our sponsor. Thank you for sponsoring us. We'll be drawing that name out on Friday. But your chances for three opportunities into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence will be coming up here shortly. Let's pray and dive into it. Whatever your intentions, I'm including that along with my intentions for my family, for our team here this morning, our show as well as for our media apostolate at the Guadalupe Radio Network and the Station of the Cross, Uh, as well as for uh, our country, for peace, and for the reversion of the heart of uh, President Joe Biden on the non-negotiable issues. Uh, So let's pray and ask Our Lady to whisper these intentions into the ear of her Son. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known...
3: the U.S. bishops are urging President Biden to reject abortion rights after his, quote, deeply disturbing statement. The president's statement backing legal abortion on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade drew swift reaction from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, whose pro-life chairman said that no president of the U.S. should ever defend denying the right to life of unborn children. Archbishop Joseph Nauman, head of the U.S. Bishops' Committee on Pro-Life Activities, said, quote, It is deeply disturbing and tragic that any president would praise and commit to codifying a Supreme Court ruling that denies unborn children their most basic human and civil right, the right to life under the euphemistic disguise of a health service. The president of the USCCB, Archbishop Jose Gomez, has reiterated that abortion is the preeminent issue and no Catholic should support it in any way. On Friday, eight pro-abortion protesters disrupted a pro-life mass at an Ohio cathedral. The protesters disrupted the Respect Life Mass at St. Joseph's Cathedral in downtown Columbus, where Bishop Robert Brennan was presiding at an event marking the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. The protesters wore vests labeled Clinic Escort and held signs saying, "Fund, Fund Abortion, Not Cops, and Abortion On Demand, End Hide Now. In a statement afterwards, Bishop Brennan said, quote, On this day, in remembrance of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, I ask all to continue to pray for the unborn who died and for all those who have experienced the pain of abortion and for those who cannot understand our divine and steadfast calling to champion this cause. As cases of assisted suicide continue to increase annually in Ontario, pro-life advocates have called on the government to implement laws to help stem the tide of medically facilitated deaths. About 7,000 Ontario residents have ended their lives since the Supreme Court of Canada ruled euthanasia to be legal nationwide in 2016. Ontario residents alone have made up about half of the 14,000 assisted suicide patients across the country. The Canadian government removed a reasonably foreseeable death from the criteria necessary to qualify for legal assisted suicide. The Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops have repeatedly challenged the government to upgrade and promote palliative care options instead of assisted suicide laws. And Portugal's Catholic bishops have suspended public masses amid rising COVID-19 cases. The bishops said that the public masses would be suspended from January 23rd, the day before the country's presidential election, along with catechesis and other pastoral activities that required people to gather. They called on priests to offer live-streamed masses. The bishops had called for the suspension or postponement of baptisms, confirmations and marriages earlier this month. The bishops said in a statement that they consider it a moral imperative for all citizens and particularly for Christians to have the maximum sanitary precautions to avoid contagion. This is the second time that the bishops have suspended public worship in Portugal. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
2: Blessed Francesco Zarano, pray for us. Born in 1564 in Sassari, Italy, he was a member of the uh, fri- uh, Friars Minor Conventuals. He made his profession in 1580. He was ordained in 1586. But in 1599, he received authorization from Pope Clement VIII to collect funds to ransom Christians who were enslaved and held for ransom by Muslims in North Africa. He arrived in Algeria on in August uh, August 20th of 1602. Uh, there was a lot of anti-Christian sentiment going on because a war was brewing between the Muslim forces there and the King of Cuco who was backed by Catholic Spain. On January 1st, 1603, uh, there was a big battle, and the uh, the forces of King Cuco were victorious against the Muslim forces. Well, Father Francesco Zorana was asked to take the word back to the Spanish court, the good news, but he was betrayed by locals to the Algerian soldiers. He was captured, and he was brought back. On the morning of the 25th of January, 1603, he was uh, given notice that he was condemned to death for being a Christian. However, they would let him live if only he converted to Islam, which Father uh, Francesco Zorano declined to do. So he was, in fact, flayed alive on the 25th of January 1603 as a martyr for the faith. Pope Francis would beatify him in October of 2014. Blessed Francesco Zorano, pray for us. The gospel comes to you from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I was looking into the Hadoc Bible commentary this morning, and it said, St. Gregory said, Perhaps some will say, Within himself, I have already believed. I shall be saved. He says, True, "...if his faith be supported by good works, for that only is true faith which does not contradict in works what is believed in words." In other words, the proof is in the pudding, right? You know, there's a couple of things here that I think are very powerful. Number one, look at Jesus' intention, his heart, his will, his intention for his apostles, which would become the hierarchy of the church. To one, go to the whole world without exception, without apology, without apology. Without making excuses, but to preach the good news. And then number two, to baptize. And if they if they believe and are baptized, then they are saved. It's not that you can just do whatever you wish, however you wish it, and everything is gonna be fine, and all everybody goes to heaven anyway. That's not what this passage says. It doesn't, it doesn't at all indicate the will of God here. In fact, it's the opposite. Preach the gospel to the whole world, and if they believe, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. That should should light a fire, a a zealous fire within our heart to help the Church, to assist her, Holy Mother Church, in her work to evangelize all souls for charity's sake, for charity, for love, and for the, the zealousness we have that God has, that all souls Will come to a knowledge of salvation. It's a wonderful opportunity here to reinvigorate the fire of evangelization that I think has been uh, has been almost uh, gone out in many aspects of the church these days. Adrian, Emily.
3: Yeah. So this is one of the last commands of Jesus and one of the most important. Go out and proclaim the gospel to every creature. So if you are sort of confused about what your role is right now in the church. This is a confusing time in the church. If you want to know what you should be doing, here it is. Proclaim the gospel to every creature. And that's one of Jesus' last commandments and one of the most important. Adrian, do you want to add something? Yeah, so
4: I forgot to turn my mic on. Yeah, so the other important thing is St. Basil talks about the fact that we need to uh, that that. Why is it that some people seem to not have these charisms that, that is described in the Bible anymore? And uh, he answers, "Well, it's it's like this. Uh, for one, we still do have a lot of these. For one, exorcisms, driving out demons. We have de- uh, priests who drive out demons all the time. Exorcist. Uh, we have spiritual healing in the sacraments. We have, uh, and then we see examples of saints like Saint Benedict who uh, went to go eat poisoned uh, food and drink, and the chalice cracked, and a serpent came out." And a raven swooped up and took his bread away. Uh, so that is proven there. But also, he points out that these charisms are unique in a way to the early church because the, since the church was in seedling form, you must water this, the uh, the new church just like you must water a seedling until it grows up to be a tree. Once it becomes a tree, it no longer needs to be constantly fed with water. Uh, and instead, you can leave it to be able to fend for itself, in a way. And so, in the way, uh, St. Basil relates that to the church and showing that these charisms that were so important at those times are less important to us now because we have the example of the miracles of the past, and yet still these miracles persist to today, they're just not nearly as uh, pro- prolific, uh, not as common as they were once were. Um, and so I thought that was a very important point to note, and uh, just like Joe talked about the, uh, all those uh, things that we saw uh, in the past, those things are important to today because they refute heresies of the
2: Protestantism, and Alopede talks a lot about that. All right, that's going to do it for the gospel and for the uh, saint of the day. Praise be to Jesus. The game show is coming up next. Opportunity for you to win some prizes. All you got to do is be the first caller to be our contestant. Three questions, three chances, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back.
6: Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live.
0: How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world?
6: Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners.
0: Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous.
6: Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world.
0: Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a
6: minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries.
2: Joe McClain! Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time uh, and Fear and Trembling, our Catholic Trivia Game Show. We're looking for a contestant, so the phone lines are wide open. If you have always wanted to be a contestant on the game show, well, today is a wonderful chance because the first caller gets to be the contestant. Here's the phone number. Are you ready? It is 877-757-9424. Uh, Prizes are involved, and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions at 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. So the phone lines are wide open. Wonderful chance and opportunity to be our contestant this hour, 877-757-9424. So, Adrian, you may have to test those phone lines just to make sure they're working like uh, last time they didn't, remember? So let's just test that. But in the meantime... I'm going to explain to you the rules in case you're new here. This is how the game works. We have three questions. They're all Catholic trivia questions. Three opportunities to get into what we call the coffee cup of divine providence. Now, here's the kicker. I do not ask you, uh, the caller, the listeners, these questions. In fact, I instead I ask Emily and I ask Adrian. Now, the two of these uh, have conspired together to try to fool you, to trick you, and only one of them will have a correct and proper answer. The other one will not be, and you, dear listener, will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong. You can choose Emily, you can choose Adrian, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win, or potentially win, this week's prize, and Emily, tell them what they can win.
3: So this week's sponsor is AromaRosary.com. You can find them on their website or Pinterest, Facebook, or Instagram. And now this is really cool. They're giving away, in honor of uh, our our apostolate, they're giving away the Guadalupe Bracelet Aroma Rosary. Oh, cool. And this is, it's so beautiful. I'm, if you want to see it, I'm posting photos to Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's a blue jasper lava rock, and it's got a Benedictine crucifix in miraculous metal. Wow. And they're also ad, uh, adding four sample essential oils. So, this is uh, a um, bracelet that you can put essential oils on it. All right. And it's a $70 value. So,
2: praise God. Good
3: prize this week.
2: All right. So, let's jump on to the phones. Uh, good morning to you, Sophia. Thank you for being a part of our program today.
3: Good morning. Thank you.
2: Praise God. Where are you calling from, Sophia? Uh,
8: Dallas, Texas.
2: Dallas, Texas, and uh, I think it was what eighty-five degrees and humid this weekend. I mean, what was your weather like? Oh, it was very rainy. It was foggy. It wasn't very good. Personally, <laughs> though, not very cold. Where's the winter? We're supposed to have cold weather. It's supposed to be winter time, but uh, at any rate, uh,
5: It's okay by me. <laughs>
2: where do you go to Where do you go to church there, Sophia? A modern day. Modern day. We love modern day. Yeah, praise God. All right, Sophia, are you familiar with the rules?
5: Uh, Yes, I am.
2: All right, here we go. Uh, Emily, as is our custom, we start with you first. Are you ready? Ready. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Affirmative. Here we go. Emily, whose veil is preserved at St. Peter's Basilica?
3: So, I've actually been there. They've got all kinds of cool stuff in St. Peter's Basilica, but this is St. Veronica's veil from Scripture. Are
2: you sure? Yes. Okay. Could be. Could be. Uh, Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, whose veil is preserved at St. Peter's Basilica? Well, I have not been to St. Peter's Basilica, but... I
4: am going to go with, I believe, because one time uh, we had brought in a reliquary mm-hmm. into Houston, and they brought a veil of Our Lady. So I'm going to go with Our Lady's Veil. Our Lady's Veil.
2: Ooh.
3: That's cool. Could it's be, wrong, but it's cool. Could be, <laughs> I was going to say Nancy
2: Reagan's Veil. Uh, she probably didn't need it after the visit, I'm just saying But Okay, so Adrian is on the hook for Our Lady's Veil Emily is on the hook for Veronica's Veil 15 seconds on the clock Who's right, who's wrong? Sophia, what say you?
3: Oh, I don't know I'll just go with Veronica uh,
2: So Emily is your choice, survey says
3: Yes, good, guess. good choice, Sophia Yay. Good guess We're going in the coffee cup Good guess,
2: <laughs> 50-50 shot and you nailed it Congratulations, Sophia! You're already in the coffee cup at Divine Providence for what? what the, the sponsor, one more time.
3: The Aroma Rosary Guadalupe Bracelet, seventy dollars value.
2: Praise awesome. God! So it's a big, uh, it's a big gift this week. So congratulations, Sophia! Are you ready for your second chance?
8: Yes. Go ahead.
2: All right, all right, Adrian. We're going to start with you this time. Uh, this one, a total softball question. This, 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 this question here. But are you ready, Adrian? 100%. Okay, here we go. Who was known
4: as the little flower? Who was known as the little flower? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the St. Rose of Lima, because, you know, Saint she was called, uh, her name
2: was like Rose, a flower, mm. so Rose of Lima. Also a Dominican, so, you know. Yeah, praise God. Uh, St. Rose of Lima sounds reasonable. Could be. Who knows? Let's see, see what Emily, Emily has to say. Emily, who was known as the little flower?
3: Uh well, the most well-known saint who is known by as the little flower is Saint Therese of Lisieux.
2: That's your answer? Yes, the
3: Carmelite nun. Yes,
2: Saint Therese mm-hmm. of Lisieux. Emily's on the hook for Saint Therese of Lisieux. Adrian is on the hook for Saint Rose of Lima. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Emily. Sophia, what say you? Go with Emily. Emily again here. Let's see. Survey says. Congratulations. There we go. That was too easy, though. You, uh, Sophia, yeah, Sophia, right? That was like way too easy. Rosa Lima
3: is also called a flower. Hey, we need a break. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, truth and advertising. I forgot to pick the questions this morning, so Adrian picked all of these questions, and, and picked the easiest ones he I could picked find. The easiest ones. <laughs> I like to get a little harder here, uh, but uh, all right. So two for two, Sophia. Last opportunity in the coffee cup of divine providence, but this one. This one could be tricky. It's got the potential for trickiness, so keep your ears uh, peeled for for Adrian and Emily's uh, manipulations. That's just my fair warning to you. Are you ready, Sophia? Yes, I am. All right, Emily. We're back to you this time, Emily. Okay. Who was the father of the Virgin Mary?
3: Hmm. Well, I I don't think it, I don't think they say in scripture. Um, the only relative I can think of. Related to Mary in scripture is Zechariah. Okay. So. Zechariah. That's what I'm going to go that's with.
2: That's your answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Adrian, who was the father of the Virgin
4: Mary? Uh, so the the father of the Virgin Mary is Saint Joachim or Joachim, however you want to pronounce it. Joachim, you're just
2: showing off now. <laughs> Yoakim. Something like that, I don't know. <laughs> Yo, that might be, might be right, <laughs> oh reasonable, goodness. I don't know. Uh, let's just see. So uh, Adrian is on the hook for Yoakim, and Emily's on the hook for Zachariah. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock, who's right, who's wrong? Sophia, what's say Adrian. you? Adrian. Right. <laughs> I think three she knew. I three. think she knew the answer beforehand. Yeah. You, yo got that right, Sophia. Congratulations! Oh my goodness! I, I couldn't help my it. ears. It's just, it's just it's softball city. Right, softball city today. You have to take swings at these giant softball. So, uh, Sophia. Hey, t- I
8: love it.
3: <laughs> but but yeah,
2: in all honesty, you, those were too easy, right, Sophia? We should we should find harder questions, right?
3: Hey, she's a winner. That's right. I'm going with
1: I'm a winner. (laughs) Yeah, three
3: for three. She did a
2: great job today. Well, congratulations, Sophia. You're in the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence for three chances. You're going to have to tune in on Friday, and uh, we'll pull a name out. And if it's God's will, you'll get to be the winner, and we'll have them send you the prize. Now, one more time for our prize sponsor this week.
3: That's com. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest.
2: Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Well, that's awesome. Sophia, uh, we kicked off a novena to Our Lady of One Successo at our parish. Uh, did uh, Mater Dei do the same thing yesterday?
8: Oh, now that was a hard question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Finally, a stumper. Yeah. Uh, great opportunity because it ends on Candlemas. Do you go to Candlemas, Sophia? Yes. Yeah, wonderful chance, huh, to get uh, your Gotta beeswax get your candles. candles blessed. Mm-hmm. That's right. Great That's
1: right. tradition of the church. You get your candle before you bring it.
2: That, yeah, yes. that you better order now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sophia, we're going to put you on hold. We're very grateful you were part of our program today. God bless you, and God love you. Thank you. God bless you. All right, we're going to put you on hold so that Adrian can get your information, in case you are the winner. But uh, the, the game show is always a lot of fun. Uh, So, wonderful opportunity tomorrow morning. Make sure you keep down the number, 877-757-9424, and you can be the first caller and get the opportunity. I noticed that there was a a call or two uh, also that came in. They just weren't the first one. So, if you were trying to get in today, make sure you call tomorrow. Now, here in just a couple of minutes, we're going to go off of the air, because Holy Mass will begin broadcasting at 7.30 out of the Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Beautiful beautiful chapel, by the way, I highly encourage you, if you haven't done so, to Google it so you can see for yourself how beautiful the uh, the altar is there. It's so wonderful. You should check that out. But that'll be at 730. Now, what happens is the Catholic Drive Time team stays on our live video feeds for the next uh, 20 minutes to a half hour or so. So to do that, you can hang out with us either on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter. Just search for Catholic Drive Time. Super easy. All one word, Catholic Drive Time. And you'll find us. You'll be able to comment there. For instance, uh, Maria Wade is hanging out with us over on on, uh, YouTube as well as others. And I asked earlier, what have you done over the weekend? And uh, she said she bought a new statue of St. Joseph. And I thought, that's so wonderful. You know, it kind of reminds me of my wife. She's buying new statuaries almost every other day these days. In fact, we got a beautiful statue of St. Michael, the archangel. Uh, But it freaked me out a little bit because it came in with a a sword that was actually very sharp. I'm like, I'm going to have to keep my kids away from this thing. It's, uh, it's a kind of a deadly weapon, you know. But, uh, <laughs> and but, my grandma commented on YouTube. Hi, Grandma. She said <laughs> Hi, good grandma. morning. Praise God. All right, so if you can hang out with us on all three of those platforms, we'd love to know where you're from. Let's we'll just comment, you know, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Search for Catholic Drive Time. Where are you from? And uh, what parish you go to, we'd love to know that. We'll hang out with you for the next uh, 20 minutes or so and conversate about the program today. We had a great conversation with Michael Lofton. We'll post his interview on uh, on YouTube and Rumble later today. But you can always find the audio podcast of the show over on grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can find that there. But don't forget, download the, the mobile app. It's a great way to stay in touch with the Guadalupe Radio Network, with our... Media Apostolate. Catch the live programming on your local radio station as well as uh, as this show, a podcast, and so much more. The program schedule, it's all right there. And if you're listening on Station of the Cross, download their app. Super important to stay truly connected to these Media Apostolates. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Till then, God bless.
8: Thank you for
0: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
3: and inspired.
2: Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, uh, keeping you informed and inspired. It's a little more casual than uh, than the actual radio show is, generally speaking, where we conversate about the topics of the program, or we just or we just see how uh, the conversation goes. It, it sort of develops organically in many ways. So uh, today on the program, we we talked to Michael Lofton about obedience. Now I don't know, Emily, it's probably not a conversation most people even think about having, but. With so much debate going on in the last few years about church teaching on the environment, on death penalty, on marriage and divorce, and transgender issues, and you know all of this stuff, and uh, especially now that we have a president who is Catholic but does not adhere to the faith uh, of the Catholic Church, I just see like this issue is going to become more and more important. I don't know what you think.
3: Yeah, I think it first sort of regained relevance at the first Vatican Council, which, you know, talked about papal infallibility papal infallibility, and brought that to light and really studied into it. But now it's become even more relevant, just like increasingly relevant in recent times. Mm. Um, as we're going through some like conflicting, confusing times in the church and in the world. And so, yes, obedience is, is our default, as our guest said earlier, but... You know, we're getting into some tricky situations here.
2: Yeah, amen. Um, Real quick, if you're hanging out with us on any one of the video feeds, we'd like to know that you're hanging out with us. So let us know in the comments section where you're from, what parish you go to. Uh, I'd love to know that. Of course, I see hanging out. We said earlier that uh, Maria Wade and uh, Estella, Adrian's grandmother, is hanging out with us over on YouTube. And I think I see some other people there. And on the uh, Catholic Drive Time side of Facebook, I see Lori is hanging out with us from Houston, Texas. Goes to St. Catherine of Siena. Thank you, Lori, for being a part of our program. Uh, Earlier, Patty, which is one of our top fans, she's always, every single morning, she's the first person on Facebook. Every morning. She doesn't join us in this hour, so she's not on with us now because she's uh, going to Mass, praise Mm -hmm. God. That's a much better thing to do, I would argue. Uh, Anybody on... on, uh, on Twitter right now. I don't see anybody over on Twitter. I don't Twitter.
3: think so. I'm monitoring Twitter and Instagram. No one yet.
2: No one yet. You know, the... Uh, boy, we used to have a much bigger following on Twitter. It seems like last few weeks it's been so dismal. I'm not sure what's going on there, any shadow banding going on. I know I've seen shadow banding on Facebook side. Uh, personally, I've been... They've shut off so many features of me personally now for many months. I used to use watch parties all the time to uh, to build the audience for the show, and now that option has been long gone for a long, long time. I tried at one point to get Facebook to tell me why they're taking these features away from me, and they they refused to to respond. But you know what? What does annoy me to no end is how no matter how many times I will report sexually explicit advertisements on the side of, of of my facebook feed uh they keep they keep putting them back there and i report every one of them mm-hmm. i'm like this is inappropriate i do not want to see this this needs to go away um and still uh, i can't promote the show but they can promote that nonsense that's insane yeah uh joaquin says uh good morning from san antonio saint uh mount carmel Wow!
3: Thank you, Joaquin, for joining the program. We we were talking about St. Joachim earlier. Yeah, that's (laughs) right.
2: Yeah, Joachim. Let's
1: just Yo-a-kin. make sure
4: we yo. Yo, Yo. Uh, the. I think another important thing that I think Emily wants to uh, bring up is something that uh, just happened, I think it was today or you yesterday. About read my mind. I didn't even about, say anything. <laughs> about um, Carrie Gress yes, being canceled. Oh, Gress, yes. That we had her on our show. Her
3: book got booted off Facebook. Facebook is censoring tan books. And we have had Dr. Yeah. Carrie Gress on as a guest. Her book is phenomenal. I honestly believe it's one of the most important books of our time.
4: Well, it must be cuz they're canceling it.
3: Yes, and so they don't want you to know the truth. So go and buy her book and the go and An- listen
2: to our interview with
4: her. Yes,
3: in our interview on you can find it on Instagram and YouTube, Catholic yeah. Drive Time.
2: Back in 2014, I wrote a book on overcoming pornography addiction. And I I naively thought I would be able to promote this book. I would be able to pay to promote my book to Catholic men uh, who are struggling with this issue on Facebook. This was 2014. Facebook uh, declared that I was a bigot and uh, and refused to run my ad. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, I, like it, it, I should have known. I should have thought. But I just naively thought that, that this would be a fine thing. It was a very narrow audience. It wasn't to the whole world. It was very specific. And still they blocked me from promoting it. They said I was being judgmental.
4: Well, this is much worse because in this situation, they're not even letting people buy it. They're saying that
2: it's not even available yeah. to purchase. Well, I wasn't trying to sell the book on Facebook directly. I was simply advertising my personal website for the book and driving traffic to a very specific audience. Again, men, Catholic men who had families who had struggled with this issue. Uh, It wasn't to the whole world. Very specific. And they said, no, this is uh, this is bigotry and judgmental. And like, this is insane. This is pornography is destroying souls, tearing, ripping apart families and uh, and corrupting children in the next generation. And we are going to pretend like this is good. I mean, have you not read Isaiah five twenty? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, mm-hmm. who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I mean, that's the world we live in now. That's, that is the situation we find ourselves in. I, I'm getting ready to give a talk uh, to a virtual Catholic men's conference on fatherhood and heroic leadership. And this is a big issue as parents... You know, we have to put our foot down on these issues. And we're dealing with, we're competing with social platforms that have their attention and command the control over their morals. And uh, and the, uh, in a movie industry, in an entertainment industry that that is going to do its best to corrupt souls. Uh, and I love movies. I love entertainment as much as the next person. In fact, I would say more. Adrian hates movies. All of them. <laughs> All of them. All yeah. the
4: movies of the whole world. All, 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 all the movies, movies of, of the, the whole, whole world. world. I hate I, them
2: I, however, love movies. I hate yeah. them. <laughs> and yet, as a parent, uh, you know, there are, there's a list of things that I will not regret while laying on my deathbed, taking my last breath. And among them is, uh, you know, golly juiz, if I only gave more internet time to my children. <laughs> golly juiz, why didn't I let my kids play more video games? You know, golly gee is why didn't I let them go hang out with their buddies and watching and doing whatever they pleased? I, I won't regret these things. You're just not going to get me to regret them.
3: Right. And now, real quick, let me point this out. So after Dr. Carrie Gress pointed out that her book was being censored, people went out and bought it so much that it's now the number two book <laughs> in in on Amazon under feminism. So this is what we need to Praise do God. as Catholics. We need to put our money where our, our, where our mouth is. We need to go out yeah. and support Catholic apostolates, Catholic... Um, you know, speakers, evangelists, be, like when we ask you to follow us on social media and promote our, it's not for ratings. Okay. We don't care about the ratings. We, this is a fight against censorship. We are fighting for free speech, especially on the radio here where it's one of the la- last avenues where we can get our message without being censored. Absolutely. We, we should get
2: Carrie on back on the program.
3: Oh, to talk absolutely. About that. Absolutely.
4: Mm-hmm. And uh, I do. <laughs> and Emily uh, put her money where her mouth was. She, uh, she purchased like a dozen of the books. I'm
0: about to go and get another one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah, these are these are difficult times so, Alright, so we've got uh, we've got some people hanging out with us on YouTube I see some people hanging out with us over on Facebook I, I, Maybe one person, and that person could be me on Twitter <laughs> So, I'm not it's, sure No, it's me, Joe <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, so, pretty much no audience Now, okay, I've been posting on Gab Are you guys on Gab? Anybody gabbing besides no. me? I'm gabbing, uh, but I, I would say it's just finally getting to the point uh gab.com where it's functioning somewhat normal. For the long it was it was so bad. I mean, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't function. And so now we're getting to the point where we're starting to see some functionality here that seems normal. And I have to say it's already probably functioning better than Parler did before it got kicked off. Um, I'm just saying that out loud. Uh, but I'm on gab.com. If you want to hang out or you know chat with me there, you can do so. Just search for Joe McLean or Catholic. Hack, H-A-C-K, all one word, Catholic Hack. That's kind of my, uh, back in 2008, I started a podcast called Catholic Hack, so that's where that came from. But I'm starting to see more and more Catholics hanging out on Gab, so you can uh, check that out. We'd love to have you there. Of course, I've been cross-posting also to Gloria.tv, which is kind of a potpourri type of a thing. I've also started cross-posting over on SP3RN, plus um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. The, the quiet, oh, hidden, under the radar <laughs> the social platform the, the, where nobody like uh, <laughs> nobody gets kicked off. As far as I can tell, I don't. You know. forgot
3: about Pinterest. Yeah, we, you we forgot about Pinterest. Talking, I gave up Pinterest.
2: on Pinterest a long time ago.
3: You were on Pinterest.
2: You were on Pinterest. Yeah. yeah. What on yeah. earth? Yeah. Okay. So back <laughs> back in back in the day, I used to run some YouTube channels and I built uh, some audiences, especially around traditional archery. I was using uh, YouTube. Uh, to build this audience on traditional archery was, was great. Uh, by the way, Susan from Buffalo, New York, going to St. John the 23rd. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hello, praise Susan. God. Um,
4: praise God for that. Thanks for that. So uh, And Keith on a Station of the Cross Facebook page, he com- uh, commented, Buenos dias from Rio Grande Valley in Texas. Hey,
2: Ketal. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out. Um All right. Going back to Pinterest. So I was using in the the, back in the day when I was building this audience and and it was doing really well, actually, I I would use Pinterest. I would use Reddit until I got I got my hand slapped on Reddit for posting links all the time. And they're like, you know, you can't do that. I'm like, why? I'm trying to drive audience to my YouTube channel. They're like, well, we want you to hang out here. I go, but I don't want to hang out here. I just want people here who like archery to go watch my videos. <laughs> they were like, you can't do that. So I stopped posting to Reddit. I stopped posting to Pinterest, especially when it came, became obvious uh, through the Project Veritas that they were censoring Christians. They were censoring conservative and Christian voices, uh, especially pro-life voices. Uh, that was a big deal. And I'm like, you know what? Why are we, why are we playing? Why are we supporting these platforms? that are going to do everything they can to censor us um and prevent us from having a voice in the public sphere so at any and rate at, at talking about uh,
4: getting away from all those places uh, go follow us on Instagram at Catholic Drive Time <laughs> if you want to or uh, see Emily's been posting a lot there and
2: uh, now you guys if you are, want to see a
4: lot of the fun that we have behind the scenes oh, yeah. Emily was uh, posting us uh, jamming out to,
2: the, the uh, the to a sea shanty <laughs> sea shanty which my kids have now memorized and it drove my wife nuts I, play, I played it for the them
3: yeah I played it for them uh,
2: during dinner gum. my wife just gave me this, this, this scowl this look <laughs> Like, I thought you were supposed to be a good husband I'm
3: I like, had to stop listening sorry, to it Sorry, it, it's so it, addictive It was running through my head in adoration I was like, I can't pray
2: <laughs> It's so addictive, yes, true story uh, Alright, so I've been asked uh, uh, Lori has asked me to post a link to my book Which I'm going to do over at facebook.com forward slash catholic drive I'm posting a link to my book there For whatever it's worth, I hope it helps But I give my book away uh, all the time actually um, you know, it's for me. I'm never going to be a bestseller, so I just figure it's a wonderful opportunity to help people overcome pornography addiction. Um, all right, so yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going on with social media. You guys are on TikTok too. I mean, how I'm do you, how do you live with yourself? Uh, uh, how do you sleep at night knowing that you're supporting Xi Jinping? There's and a lot Communist of China? there are a
3: lot of Catholics on TikTok. Catholic Answers is on TikTok.
2: And they sleep at night with a clear conscience? Apparently, I mean, like, what is TikTok? I've never been on TikTok, and please, Lord, help me. I don't ever want everyone to be on TikTok. <laughs> it's bad enough. I don't even really want to be on all these social platforms as it is anymore. The older I get, the, the, the less I want to do. Uh, leave uh, it to us young people. We'll, 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 take, we'll take care, care of, of it. it. It's fine. We'll yeah. <laughs> be sure.
3: doing the renegade on TikTok. You don't need to worry about it.
2: Oh, really? Uh, so t- is TikTok clean now, or, or are they still supplying all the information back to Xi Jinping? How does that work?
3: No, they're definitely supplying all the information.
2: Today. And you're still and you're OK with it. You're still there. I mean, they're going to get our information anyways. Yeah. Oh, I see. So you've got a nihilist might as well position. give it straight to them.
4: OK, you might as well. <laughs> just I, it, I might as well. They just, over. Actually, I actually asked G.J. Ping to send me a USB drive. <laughs> oh, really? and I'll just upload all of my uh, content from my computers and just ship it to him directly. And, and he probably
2: just gave you a Dropbox account.
3: I wonder if he's seen my TikToks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll convert him. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, the Chinese thing does... Okay, let's turn to be serious again. The China thing, does it does concern me quite a bit, obviously. It was one of the things about, uh, you know, the Trump administration that I did appreciate was uh, his pressure on communist China. Uh, that's very important. They are trying to... They are trying to pressure the entire world for their agenda and their game plan, and someone needs to push back. So I'm obviously very concerned with this new administration. And Xi Jinping, and, they didn't wait... They hardly waited at all. They're, they're already testing the waters with President Joe Biden to see what he will and won't, won't do. Will he be like Trump or won't? They're they're already pushing the the edges here, so we can probably count on seeing some more. You know the good. Remember the good old days of uh, of uh, Kim Jong Un in North Korea and, and the nuclear threats. Yeah. I bet that's going to come back into style. You watch that'll come back into style. That'll help to distract America from uh, some of the direct shenanigans that come out of communist China. But I'm worried about uh, the the folks in Hong Kong. I'm worried about the folks in Taiwan. And, of course, I'm more worried about uh, the continued genocide of the Uyghurs, you know, the, the Muslim Uyghurs in China. This is a horrific thing that goes on there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Christians uh, in that country are also being heavily persecuted. So that's very concerning. We'll have to keep an eye out on that. Um, on
4: Facebook, I mean, on YouTube, uh, Myra Wade, she uh, commented... Who was the author, the name of the book Emily mentioned? That's Carrie Gress. Uh, you can buy her book at Tan Books. Highly recommend going straight to Tan Books and getting, uh, your stuff from our Catholic publishers, Tan Books, Sophia Press, uh, Ignatius, uh, Press, all these, uh, Catholic bookstores. Please, uh, go support them there because, uh, more and more we're seeing, uh, people not wanting to sell their stuff and Carrie Gress's works, uh, her, all of her books are excellent, but the one we were talking about was the Anti-Mary Exposed. Emily? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to remind everyone, that's The anti Mary Exposed by Dr. Carrie Griss. Very important book for all, especially women. All women need to read this book.
2: Before you buy the book, we'll watch our interview with her, though.
3: Yeah, where, get a where can preview. they find
2: that?
4: Yeah, so if you look on uh, on YouTube, uh, we're there at Catholic Drive Time uh, YouTube channel. Uh, also, Emily is posting the Instagram. interviews on Instagram. That's so
3: at Catholic Drive Time on Instagram.
4: And it'll also be on also, Rumble. Uh, on Twitter. And on Twitter, Catholic Drive Time. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, here's some good news that didn't get reported. At least, okay, you're going to tell me, Joe, I reported that. And I'm like, oh, darn it, I didn't <laughs> listen. I'm sorry. Uh, but the Beckett law firm has uh, has announced that court blocks mandate forcing doctors to perform controversial gender transition procedures. Federal court upholds conscience rights for doctors and protects welfare for patients. So apparently th- this was a, a part of the uh, the Affordable Health Care Healthcare Act. Uh, under President Obama, was to force doctors to do these, uh, these particular surgeries, even against religious um, convictions. So this uh, article, which I'll link to over at Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, it says a federal court in North Dakota just blocked a requirement known as the transgender mandate that would force medical professionals and religious hospitals to perform gender transition procedures on their patients, including children. Even when the procedures are potentially harmful. In Religious Sisters of Mercy versus Azar, an order of Catholic nuns, a Catholic university, and a Catholic healthcare organization sued the federal government, challenging the provision of the Affordable Healthcare Act that would have forced doctors to perform gender transition procedures, even if doing so would violate their religious beliefs and medical judgment. Beckett rep- represented the plaintiffs arguing the sensitive medical decisions should be kept between patients and their doctors without government interference and that no one should be required by law to disregard their conscience or their professional medical judgment. This is good news. Praise God. This is very good news that this court would uphold that. But I got I to be honest. <clears throat> we, I think it was a week before last we had Dorothy McLean from LifeSite News mm-hmm. on to talk about that case in, uh, in, in England. That Polish uh, right. citizen, R- yeah, who is uh, being denied, uh, you know, nutrition. Uh, that's an ongoing thing in a in a socialist medical environment there in England. It, it, we could be looking at that in the near future here oh, in America. Yeah. Very, the, it's very very scary, actually.
3: The Polish government and the man's family mm-hmm. are trying to get him back home to Poland, uh, but an English judge decided that it was in the patient's best interest interest to withdraw food and water from him which is insane that a, a judge from another country is deciding this man's fate.
2: Yeah, it's it's insane. So, I'm surprised and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that this case uh that this court has blocked this. This is a good thing. This is a really good thing. I wonder what the current administration will do. This is one of the campaign promises of President Joe Biden was to continue to uh the legal battle against these sisters, the little sisters of the poor. Um seems really crazy to me that this would be something he would campaign on that don 't you worry i 'll keep pressuring these these uh little sisters of the poor to to ensure that they do the things we want them to do um really really wild stuff at any rate there was uh the the whole marking of uh the forty eighth anniversary of roe v Wade by the Biden administration also was very very concerning. Uh, to us for sure so we covered that do we do we post the what's concerning us as a segment by itself
4: emily does uh she posts uh the what's concerning us section of the show on uh instagram at catholic drive time she posts them on her on the story
2: for the catholic drive time oh, yeah. instagram account that's what at catholic drive time yes mm-hmm. all right well praise be to jesus christ would you do us a favor and help spread the word about catholic drive time us get the word out there because the algorithms are not going to do it for us if you're on youtube one of the best things that you can do is hit the like button the subscribe is one thing like is more liking sends a signal sharing the hitting that share also sends a signal on facebook please do the same thing share this to your friends and your family on your on your feeds on twitter as well as uh, as retweeting all of that makes a difference it helps us to overcome these uh, challenges and difficulties to help uh, reach new people to keep informing and inspiring everyone. That's part of our mission here at Catholic Drive Time. Well, that's going to do it for today's program. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have another great episode. Uh, Thomas Spence is going to be on to talk about publishing Senator Hawley's book. We'll see you then. God Thank love you, you for joining
0: us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and
3: inspired.